We should have a heart. We should have a burden. We should have this passion and love for the city that we live in. And we want to help you discover that and live that out in your life. And so today, we're going to talk about loving our city in our neighborhoods. Next week, we're going to talk about loving our city in our workplace, right? Whoo! And then the third week, we're going to talk about loving our city in our city, all right? And so each week, we're going to have something attached to it. The first two weeks are kind of up to you, if you will, to where we're going to have some application, some tangible resources that you can use to help you love people in your neighborhood, love people in your workplace. The third week... It's also going to be up to you, but however, we are organizing it as a church. We're going to be sharing with you uh, an outreach event that we're going to be doing together where we have an opportunity to serve, to go love our city, in our city, uh, and meet the needs of some of those people. And so stay tuned for that in the weeks to come. And uh, man, we are so, so excited. All right, you guys ready to jump in? If you're ready, type ready. Look at your neighbor. Say, I'm ready. Wake up. Let's do this. Let's get it started. All right, here we go. Love your city in your neighborhood. And so I guess a starting question would be like, why, why are we starting here, right? So I could actually probably back up and do a message prior to this one that says, love your city starting in your own home, right? Like this is where we need to start. We can't go out and love our city without first looking at the things that we have. And so that would be a different sermon for a different time. So we'll step out of our own homes, uh, even though that is obviously very important. And let's look at what does it look like to truly love your neighbor? What does it look like to love people, to love your city by starting in your neighborhood? And so we have a theme passage, uh, not just for the day, but for all three weeks that I want to kind of center this series around. The big umbrella, if you will, of everything that's going to be driven through this. And it comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. And it says, you are the light of the world, like a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a lid. Instead, it places it on the stand for all to see. In the same way, let your good deeds shine for others to see so that they can praise our Father. Like what an opportunity that we have, a a command, if you will, for us to shine. As as I think about light, like light, it, it, it travels, Light penetrates. Light, it, 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 it transfers into the things that it sees. And the gospel of Jesus, the light of Jesus shines bright in darkness. And we have darkness all around us. And we have an opportunity to shine bright, to penetrate, to travel as we are image barriers and carriers of the gospel. And it starts right here in your neighborhood. As I was thinking about um, this series, if I could just be super raw and transparent with you, several weeks ago as I was planning and praying and seeking and trying to figure out where God wanted us to go with this series, I was super, super convicted because guess what? I didn't know all the names of my neighbors. And maybe you're like, yeah, that's okay, Brian, me either. No, it's, it's not okay. It's not okay. It's, it's actually kind of pitiful. And maybe you're there. I was there again now because of my conviction. I know everybody in my cul-de-sac's name, at least. I haven't necessarily fully got a relationship with them yet. But 
It's not okay for us to not know the names of our neighbor. And here's why I say that. Because number one, God has called us to love our neighbor. However, secondly, I, I don't know if you believe this or if you've ever looked at it from this perspective, but I believe that God has strategically placed us in his sovereignty in the exact home or place that we live in, in the exact neighborhood that we are in. Right? Like, think about that for a moment. I, I might try to, I'm not trying to over-exaggerate this, but like, but like, think about this for a moment. It's, there's no chance or coincidence that as you got ready to look for a house to buy, that this house that you live in now just happened to be open. There, there's no chance or coincidence is that as you put an offer in on this house that it just happened to get accepted. It's no coincidence or chance that as you started talking to underwriters, your loan got approved and you were able to finance. Maybe you don't buy, maybe you rent. There's no chance that you just happen to have security deposit and first month's rent in your bank account to be able to pay it. Like I could go on and on, but like all of these details that we sometimes kind of don't look at from the perspective of God's sovereignty is just that. Like we have been placed in our neighborhoods. God has set us in a specific place to reach the people around us. And it's no different then your neighbor, your neighbor has been placed by God. And when you start looking at things from that perspective, for me, it challenges me. Like, okay, God has given me a mission. He, he's given me an opportunity to reach my neighbor, to love my neighbor. And I need to stop waiting and working on going to church and doing outreach events and all of this and that. Let me just start right here in my neighborhood. It doesn't mean that obviously those other things aren't important, but I think that so often we get it backwards to where we're so it's no problem for us to get on an airplane and go on a mission trip and serve for a week or two. But yet we won't even have a conversation with our neighbor like this is a problem. And so if we want to love our city, we have got to start in our neighborhoods. All right. So we're going to read a story in Luke chapter 10 that probably many of you uh, have heard before. If not, that's okay. You can hear it for the first time. And uh, I'm going to read it to you, and then we're going to break it down and share some things from it. All right, Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 25. One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. We've seen this countless times already. Pastor Jay and myself have shared this before. But let's dive in a little bit further. Verse 28. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. Verse 29. The man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, but when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road, and he passed him by. Verse 32, a temple assistant walked over, looked at him lying there, but also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put him to, excuse me, then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you next time I'm here. Verse 36. 
Jesus says, now which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by bandits? Jesus asked. Then verse 37, the man replied, the one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. All right. So as I read this passage, like the the main point, the main principle of this parable, if you will, that Jesus is telling is essentially to show this guy like, to, to define who your neighbor is, right? And so I could easily say, and as we are looking at this passage, to say our neighbor is anybody that we have come in contact with, okay? But I don't want to necessarily just look at that perspective because I want us to think about what it looks like to truly love our neighbor. It doesn't mean that we don't just say, okay, well, I'm only going to focus on the people in my neighborhood and no one else. However, sometimes we do it backwards to where we focus on people outside of our neighborhood and not here. And so I don't want to necessarily focus on the question that Jesus is answering here of who is my neighbor. I want us to look at the one who actually took care of the neighbor, the one who actually loved their city in their neighborhood, if you will, and the characteristics of this man. All right. And that man was this Samaritan man who took care of this Jew who had been beaten. All right. So three points for you today. Go figure. That's my style. I love it. But here we go. The first one is this. Loving your neighbor requires us to overlook differences. All right. Loving your neighbor requires us to overlook differences. Check this out. All right. Verse 30. It says, Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem. All right. Skip down to verse 33. It says, then a despised Samaritan came along. So you have a Jewish man and a Samaritan man, okay? Now, this is a a different sermon, if you will, for a different time. I don't have a ton of time to necessarily dive into that, but let me just say it clearly. There were some big differences between a Jewish man and a Samaritan man. If you ever heard the story of the woman at the well where Jesus meets his Samaritan woman, like the Jews despised the Samaritans, okay? Because the Samaritans were kind of this mixed ethnicity where they were part Jew and part other, and the Jews thought, it was like they were traitors. Like you've traded our, 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 our uh, you know, our heritage, if you will. And, and they didn't like each other. But as I look at this, he didn't care. They overlooked the differences to go love on their neighbor. And as I think about us in our own neighborhoods, some of us have relationships with our neighbors. And many of those relationships are because we are not that different. We have some of the same likes, some of the same interests, some of the, the same similarities in life, some of the same hobbies. But yet the times that we often overlook our neighbors sometimes or maybe many times, it's because we have a difference, right? And we are called to, to love our neighbor. In order to do that, we have to overlook differences. And here's what I mean by that. Maybe, just maybe, you're not loving your neighbor because there is someone who lives beside you who is not the same skin color as you. And you need to overlook that difference and go meet them and talk to them and love on them. Maybe, just maybe, the difference that is keeping you from going and loving your neighbor as God has called us to is because you're a Republican and your neighbor is a Democrat or vice versa. And you can't overlook that to go love your neighbor. Maybe, just maybe, your neighbors, the one who lives beside you, is married to someone of the same sex. And because you don't agree with that and approve of that, you are choosing not to love them. 
Maybe, just maybe, I could go on and on with different stories. You don't want to go talk to your neighbor because they got the vaccine or they didn't get the vaccine. Like, I could go on, and I'm not trying to stir the pot here, but here's what I'm trying to say. There are differences in the lives of people that live around us, and if we choose to allow those differences to separate us, we will never be able to love our neighbor as God has called us to. It doesn't mean that you agree with everything that they do. It doesn't mean that you support the way that they live. It doesn't mean that you are, you know, in full uh, uh, unity with with all of their thought processes and their lifestyle. It just means that I'm going to overlook your differences long enough to love you. And this is what God has called us to do. But yet so often we allow these differences to create this wedge between us and our neighbors. And that is not what God has called us to do. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hill. It cannot be hidden. If you are truly living and you are allowing the gospel to penetrate your lives and you are spending time with him, the outpouring of that is going to come out of your life and it's a light. Have you ever shined a flashlight into a dark room? It doesn't choose where to go and not to go. It illuminates the entire room wherever it's pointing. It's time to take our lights and point it at, point it at our neighbors and stop allowing differences to separate that. Right? Like, come on. And, and again, I just told you up front, I, bro, I've been wrestling with this. I love some of my neighbors and others I've never even talked to. And I'm trying to learn their names and I'm trying to get in a relationship with them. But I just wonder if we would stop worrying so much about how different they are than us and start focusing on the fact that God has called us to go love them, what our neighborhoods would look like. It's time to love our city by starting in our neighborhoods. All right. The second thing is this. Let's love our cities in our neighborhoods. We we can love our neighbors by being compassionate. Okay, we can love our neighbors by being compassionate. And you're like, okay, isn't that kind of like the same thing as overlooking differences and going to love them? Yes and no. I I think it is similar. However, I think it's a step further. All right. Let me share an incredible, amazing parenting story to kind of help explain this a little further. My kids are going to hate me by the time they're grown up because I love using them for sermon illustrations. All right. My wife and I, we give our kids what is called a commission, all right? We're just kind of, it's just, it's really kind of this wordplay. I don't give them an allowance because they don't pay rent, right? Like, I'm not just going to give them money. <laughs> like, I want to teach them a principle. I'm not just gonna, you're not getting a handout. You work, you get paid, and you make a commission. And so they have chores, and they get a certain amount from the chores that are completed. Well, a couple of weeks ago, um, well, actually before then, but I finally got tired of it, <laughs> Uh, I got tired of having to tell them to, to do their job, right? Like if I showed up for work every day or you showed up for work every day and every day your boss was having to remind you of your duties, he would get tired and you would probably get fired, right? And so I fired my kids, all right? I told them, look, I don't want you to do chores anymore. I would rather spend the time doing it myself than having to ask you 52 times, okay? So guess what? You don't work, you don't get paid. We took their commission away right? And so now we're in this process of, of helping them earn their commission again. But I told him, you got to be consistent. You got to start doing your chores. And so now they're essentially doing their chores while rolling their eyes. They're doing it because I told them to do it, right? Like they're just doing it because they know that's what is expected of them, okay? 
Take that story and think about loving your neighbor. You're, you know, if you're a believer and you want to be more Christ-like and you want to try to follow God, I think it's very easy for us to try to go create a relationship with our neighbor just because we have to. And so, and so this aspect of compassion would be to take it a step further and not look at it as, okay, I got to do this because God tells me I have to, right? Like, man, it says I got to love my neighbor. I can't stand that, dude. I don't want to love my neighbor. That may be true. However, just think about this different level of, of love for our neighbor that comes from having compassion for them. Like, I see the Samaritan, the Samaritan man here, the good Samaritan. It says this in, in verse 33. So it says, then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. He felt compassion for him. Like, just imagine what it would look like if we truly had compassion for everyone who lives on our street or in our cul-de-sac or on our block. And instead of looking at those differences and judging and saying, oh my gosh, I can't believe there's a same-sex marriage. Oh my gosh, I can't believe that this guy lets his kids run around barefooted, you know, or whatever. Like, what if we just had compassion? Or, or, or I can't believe my neighbor is an atheist. What if we say, you know what? God has given me a compassion for these people and my heart breaks for the thing things that I'm seeing them go through. My heart breaks for the the way that they're living their life. And it doesn't come from this self-righteous, I'm better than them and I got it right and they got it wrong. That's not compassion. It's saying my neighbor has been placed here strategically by God and I'm going to love them the way that God loves me. Like what if we show compassion like that into every neighborhood that we live in? Imagine what it would look like. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hill, it cannot be hidden. Come on, guys, let's be a light by being compassionate to our neighbors and overlooking those differences and letting them know that we love them. I love the end of that, 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 that umbrella passage in Matthew. It says, and in the same way, let your good deeds shine so that people may praise our Father. Like we're not trying to go love on them so that they can love us back, right? Like, is that good? Yeah, I would love to be loved by my neighbor too if I'm loving them. But my ultimate goal is to go into that, to overlook those differences, to show compassion to them so that they can experience the love of Jesus. Like, let's love our city by loving our neighbors, all right? Let's love our neighbors by overlooking differences. Let's love our neighbors by being compassionate. The third and final one is this. Let's love our neighbors by meeting their needs. Let's love our neighbors by by meeting their needs. Verse 34, the story goes on. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. This good Samaritan, who was actually despised by Jews, he saw this guy and he he didn't focus on the differences and he felt compassion in his heart. And then he stepped into meeting the needs. And I think that we have to get the first two right if we truly want to meet needs in the way that we're supposed to. And here's what I mean by that. Like, I can look at my neighbor's yard and see that, and this isn't true, so if you're a neighbor listening, <laughs> I'm not trying to criticize you. This is, I'm just using this as an example. But like, if my neighbor's yard is four foot tall in grass, 
Like I can see that need without ever having to truly go talk to them and I can go over there and cut the grass. But actually I've done that before and I actually did it not to truly meet their need, but because I got tired of their yard making my yard look bad, right? It was selfish. And so, so if we can overlook those differences, if we can be compassionate, then we create this relationship where we can really truly start meeting their needs. Or maybe it is, I'm going to go cut your grass because your lawnmower's broke or you are a widow or a single mom or whatever it may be. I, I, I can bring a hot meal over to you because I realize that you got four kids and you've been running around crazy and life has been, you know, nuts for you guys lately. Like, and I can go meet that need because you're my neighbor. I can throw a gift card on your front porch for you and your spouse to go on a, on a date just because I want com- to show compassion to you and I just want you to know that I love you. I can't develop a relationship with my neighbors so much so that they trust me to where I can watch their kids for a little bit while mom and dad or maybe mom or maybe dad along, whoever it is, can take a breather and just catch their breath because they're working so hard trying to raise a house full. Like the list goes on and on and on. But what if we started looking for needs to meet right on our own street, right in our own neighborhoods, to say, listen, I don't care if we have differences. I want you to know I love you. And I want you to know I love you the way that Jesus loves me. I, I, I don't care that, that, that we don't necessarily agree on everything. I'm going to come and love you the way that God has called me to. And because, not because I, 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 I'm supposed to, but because I want to. My, my heart is filled with compassion for you and your family. And I'm so thankful that you are my neighbor. And hey, is there anything I can do for you? Do you have any, do you have any needs? Oh, you don't have any needs, but you just need a conversation. Okay, I'll just sit here and listen. Like, tell me what's going on. Like, there are so many avenues and aspects that we could travel down in order to meet the needs of our neighbors. But yet, so many of us, we don't even know their names. We don't even know who we're living beside. We haven't even taken advantage of the opportunity that God has given us. Like, you have to see these people regularly. They come by your house every day. And I don't look at that as a curse. Maybe you do. Maybe you have a terrible neighbor. Maybe you should love them a little bit more. But I look at it as an opportunity. Like, hey, this dude ain't going nowhere. (laughs) He lives here. And I'm going to keep loving him. And I'm going to keep shining bright. And I'm going to keep being this light that God has called me to be like a city on a hill. It cannot be hidden. I'm not going to put it under the stand. I'm not going to just have this light and say, ooh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer in Jesus. My neighbors don't even know it. I'm going to pull that thing out. I'm going to put it on the stand. And I'm going to say, hey, listen, I love Jesus. Jesus loves me. And I have a light in this neighborhood. And I'm going to love you that way. And we can change our cities by starting in our neighborhoods. What if every single one of you listening right now took off and started doing this in your neighborhood? Neighborhood after neighborhood after neighborhood after neighborhood being illuminated by the light of Jesus. Wow. Like, I, I can't imagine. And so as we, as we get ready to kind of, kind of land this plane, obviously, I want, I, we, I say I, me, Pastor Jay, us as a church, like, we want to do this too. Like, we don't want to just come up here, preach a message to you and say, all right, let me know how it goes. Like, this is the DNA of our church. We want people to know we are here for the seven cities and it's going to start in the neighborhood. 
And so we started thinking about like, what application can we do? What are some of the things that, that we can help people with? And, and again, we don't want to just throw you to the wolves. And so we found a program that is, that is kind of laid it out to help us accomplish some of the things that we feel are necessary in order for us to love our neighbor. And I want you to check this out from Pastor Jay. Check it out. There was a time in the history of our country where every home had a front porch. Now it seems like we've all kind of moved to the backyard and we fence these things in and we have these paradises that are meant for us and our families, you know, us four and, and no more, but we've lost touch with our neighbors. And many of you are like me, you live in a neighborhood just like this and you have no clue who your neighbors are. And that is exactly why we are introducing Bless Every Home. Bless Every Home is a program that will allow us to get to know our neighbors. It provides information to us so that you can put a name with a face. It'll provide you with the information that you need so that you can know who your neighbors are and that you can move into a relationship with them that guides them to life in Christ. See, Bless Every Home is set up so that you can be a light in the midst of darkness starting in your neighborhood. And the way this works is this. You'll get an email every week with a list of your neighbors' uh, names just to remind you to pray over them. You'll have opportunities to enter those prayer requests or enter how you're praying for your neighbors so that others can join you in prayer. You'll get to meet your neighbors. And the goal is for you to move from a place of just knowing your neighbor to praying for your neighbor to caring for your neighbor and serving them, then to ultimately presenting them with the gospel and entering into a discipleship-based relationship with them where you can guide them to life in Christ, and then they can begin to reach other neighbors. Now, I know this may seem like a daunting task, but don't feel like you have to reach everyone on your block just yet. Maybe you just start with the person to your left or the family to your right. That's totally up to you. We just want to give you a platform that you can use to engage with your neighbors in a way that challenges you to evangelize your neighborhood. And that's the other good thing about Bless Every Home. There's tools here to teach you how to do evangelism. It will give you information on how you can witness to your neighbors, what kind of stories you can share with them. And again, it gives you one place where you can just save uh, information, save how you've been praying, save what their needs are, so that when you meet that neighbor again, you already know what's going on. And it's all in one safe and secure place. So we want to encourage you to get on board with us with Bless Every Home. If you would do me a favor, if you're ready to dive into this and just text the word neighbor to 757-997-1909, then you'll get an email from us with information and a link that you can click so that you can join Seven Cities Church as we try to reach our neighbors uh, for Christ. So we hope you'll get on board with us in this program to bless every home and reach our neighbors for Christ as we love our city starting here in our neighborhood. God bless, and I hope to see you soon. Well, thank you, Pastor Jay, for sharing that with us. Listen, I am super, super excited about this program. I personally, I told you at the beginning that uh, as I was planning for this series, I didn't know all of my neighbors' names, but through this program, I had seen them, I said hi to them and seen their faces, but now I was able to kind of put a face with a name and it was absolutely, uh, it was game changing, honestly. And I'm not trying to say that to sell you, like, look, this isn't, you know, you can try it out if you don't like it, you don't have to use it. Like, we're just trying to offer a resource to you to help you love your neighbor the way that God has called us 
to love. But, but it, was, it was such a game-changing thing for me because uh, I was able to truly put a face with the name and began praying for them, knowing exactly who I was praying for, knowing that, that I could go into a conversation with them and be able to help meet some of those needs, pray for some of those needs. Like it goes on. I mean, you just, you, you can, you can go as deep as you want with this. And, uh, and I'm super, super excited about it. And so as Pastor Jay said, we would love for you to jump on. If you want to do that, text the word neighbor to 757-997-1909. We'll send you a link and, uh, and we can start making an impact as a church body individually in our neighborhoods. And so, man, I encourage you to do that. I hope that, that you were challenged by this, but I also hope that you were encouraged because I believe that, that there's something powerful when we start being the light that God has called us to be. When we start shining into every street, into every home, into every neighborhood, and into every city, we get an opportunity to be all that God has called us to be. So will you step up? Will you take that challenge? I want to pray for you. Uh, but before I do, I want to, I want to offer an invitation. Maybe, maybe you're thinking today, man, I, I wish that, uh, that I could experience the love of Jesus like, like you're talking about. I, I, I've never actually stepped into a relationship with Christ. And it, this, this, this passage that you share says at the very beginning to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. And, and I've been chasing life. I've been having this, this, this unfulfilled life for so long. And, and today I realize that part of that is because I need to, to have the light of the gospel of Jesus penetrate my heart. And, and today you want to make that decision to accept Jesus as your personal savior, to love the Lord your God with everything that you have. I want to extend that invitation to you. It's not anything that I've done or said. It's what God is doing in your own heart. And I would ask you today to respond to that. And so we're going to pray for both of those. We're going to pray for you guys that want to step up and love your neighbor and also pray for those that want to step into a relationship with Jesus. And so let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for the opportunity to, to be a light. God, we, we look around and we see darkness and you have, you have given us the tools and the resources and the, the power that we need to flip that switch and, and to shine that light into all the things that we, that we see, that we experience, that we encounter. And God, I pray that you would give us the boldness Lord, to step right into our own neighborhoods, to step right into our own streets, our own cul-de-sacs, our own apartment complexes and townhouses and everywhere where people live. Lord, I pray that you would help us to, to walk out of our front doors and know that we have a mission, know that we have been strategically placed and to begin to love on our neighbors the way that you've called us to. Lord, to, to overlook those differences, even if we don't agree with them, even if they're not even biblical. It doesn't mean that we support it. It just means that we shine a light on it. God, I pray that you would help us to not just look over those differences, but to be compassionate, to be filled with love, to, 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 to just love people the way that you love us. And then lastly, Lord, I pray that you will help us to see those needs and to meet those needs, to meet the needs of our neighbors, to serve them, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Lord, I pray right now that you would give us all that we need. We know sometimes it can be weird. It's sometimes easier to meet a complete stranger and to share the gospel and to love them like Jesus than it is someone that we see on an everyday basis. But Lord, I pray that you give us the faith, the boldness, the courage, the strength to step out into what is uncomfortable and be the light that you have called us to be by loving our neighbor. 
And God, now I pray for that individual who's listening to this message, who understands that they need Jesus and that they want to love the Lord their God with everything that they have. And on this day, they want to surrender their life to you. God, I pray that they would just be, be reminded and understand and acknowledge that, that they are a sinner, just like me and everybody else that's watching this and listening, and that they need a Savior, and that Jesus Christ is that Savior who died on the cross, paid for our sins, went to the grave, three days later resurrected. And that they can have an everlasting relationship with Jesus from this day forward and have life and have it abundantly as Jesus promises. And so, God, I pray that that person would make that decision, that they would respond to that tugging that is going on in their heart right now. Lord, we are so thankful for who you are. We love you. And we ask that you help us to move forward, to look more and more like you in our everyday lives. God, thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for what you're doing in our church. And God, we ask that you continue to stay with us and allow us to feel your presence in every aspect of our lives. In Jesus' name, we pray. Everybody says, amen, amen. Hey.